So today is May 9th of 2020, and today we thought we would talk about um, our baby story and our um, our past with everything related to our pregnancies and the loss that we've experienced and um, address some of the questions about how we got through all of it and how we're still getting through it. Um, so just a little background, we, um, we've been trying to start a family for a while and we had, um, our first loss at 10 weeks in May of 2019. And, um, most recently we, um, we lost our second child, our daughter on December 19th of 2019. And it's been a process to get, to get through it. Today was supposed to be her due date, um, and so that's why we thought with today being her due date and this weekend's also Mother's Day weekend, just talking about that and um, talking about our story and a little bit about like the hospital situation and going home, um, our faith related to it, how we've handled responses from, from others, and kind of our outlook and perspective change of life. We wanted to talk a little bit about like our hospital situation and kind of share like what we experienced and you know anybody else who you know has to go through this situation sharing some things that made um, made the experience important for us and um, like it, things that helped us with coping in the long run. Um, so I just want to like make sure you advocate for yourself like know know that your doctor's on your side um, know that your hospital's on your side and is going to you know make the experience as um, painless as possible um, we you know we loved that we had time with Coraline we were able to um, after you know after I went through labor and delivered her they um they gave us as much time as we wanted and needed with her um to hold her and love on her and share her with our family and um and everything like that yeah I didn't know personally like why it mattered which hospital or which doctor and of course we definitely didn't foresee anything like this happening and yet uh, that you had already thought thought ahead around doctors and care and who's going to take the most best care and and I think for me not being in the medical field I just thought well any any doctor any hospital is going to be good and the way that they approach it and they handle even situations like ours would be the same and apparently that's not the case yeah there I mean there are a lot of hospitals out there that don't I mean don't give you time with your your children that are stillborn and um and it just having that time with her, I think, made the coping process better for us in that way. Um, just having a little bit of closure in that sense. Um, and our hospital also did more for us. I mean, they um, they made sure that we always had our own nurse um, to take care of us. We were in a large room where family could come and visit us and friends could. Um, they after she was born, they actually took pictures for us and, um, they 
put um, put together handprints and footprints and even gave us a, a keepsake box um, that, you know, we've gone through <laughs> multiple times and um, we have it in um, in the nursery that's in our house. And, um, and we also uh, were given an opportunity to um, submit like all of her height and weight and everything to this organization called Mammy's Poppy Plates. And um, they're out of Little Rock. It's a nonprofit. And they create um, keepsake plates, like ceramic plates, with footprints and handprints and um, whatever you want to put on the plate with their name and their date of birth and their height and weight and everything. And um, I remember the day that we got that in the mail and it was just so special. And I'm actually going to post a picture of it um, today and just in remembrance of her and um, this being her due date. So you'll get to see like the beautiful art that they um, they create. And the hospital um, this year, they had a sponsor, a family um, sponsor that every um every infant loss through Washington Regional, um, they, they, um, donated money for that family to get a plate. So we were able to get one, um, for free as a gift. And that was so, it's so special. One of, one of our prized possessions. I think the keepsakes are really important. And, and, you know, in that situation, it sounds like some of the other time times that people go through this, they don't have those things. And it's such a, um, surreal like happening like all of it is like rushed and then all of a sudden um, it's just not something you can prepare yourself for and so to have something when when you can get back to the right like mind space and more of like a normal um, mind space and awareness to be able to have those things to look at and uh, you know the pictures and the the footprints and handprints and all of it is just so is a really big deal um, for me. And then kind of like as we were transitioning from the hospital back to the real world, um, you know, we um, we stayed the night, an extra night at the hospital, and they were so nice and they didn't rush us out at all. Um, and, you know, they needed to check my lab work and stuff, so we ended up staying a little bit the next morning. And... You know, we packed our things up to leave and the like the hardest part for me, I remember just like stopping at the door and just opening that door from that safe space of the hospital room where we had had time with her and time together and going into the real world was so hard for me. Um, I mean, I, I just stopped there and started crying. Well, and it's. It's a crazy thing because, you know, the the world doesn't stop ever. And when when people go through things like this and just anything traumatic, your your whole world has changed and time froze. And, you know, we we just spent um, time where where we hold our daughter, we you know get time with her and then we have to like give her to somebody to to take her away and then we get to the point where it's like okay and we've we've got to go like get in the car and drive the car and and uh, you know I think that's a really good this is a really good reminder for me of um 
giving people the benefit of the doubt that we interact with because we don't know what somebody just went through and they're definitely not going to tell you if it was something like this, especially if you don't have a close relationship. And so we just assume, um, at any given time, we, we just assume things about other people and we don't know if they just came from, um, you know, losing a child or losing a parent or, um, or losing a job. Uh, just any whatever it is, we just have an opportunity to give people grace and and assume like if they're having a bad day, if they're in a, a bad mood, it's not because of us. It it may be that they've gone through something like this. Yeah, and you know we were leaving that hospital and going out into the real world, and um, and you know as we were leaving the building, you know we were hearing babies cry and. Um, you know, you don't expect to like deliver a baby and then leave the hospital like without a car seat and without your baby and just get in the car and drive away and go home. And, um, going home like was a whole new world. Yeah, it's very, um, it's a very out of place feeling. And, you know, we, we went through some loss not very long after that, um, as well. And just, any kind of of event like this is going to take you and put you in this place where, at least in my experience, I just feel so out of place. I don't know what to do with myself, and and it's normal is not normal. And so I think allowing ourselves that space to just be out of place and not fight it because I'll catch myself thinking, okay, I, I need to get back into a normal state of mind or I need I need to do this or I'm supposed to do that or I should do this and all of that goes against the the grieving process and the process of really you know allowing yourself to just be and so we were able to take some time and and just be and and process and sit on the couch and watch shows and just do whatever it is at the moment um that we wanted to yeah and and that honestly like that wouldn't have been possible without I mean all of you guys um the people that sent us meals and um gift cards to get food and meals um flowers gifts it I mean it made the biggest difference because we were able to literally just simply be together and not worry about anything I mean I remember my mom said, send me your grocery list. And she, you know, went and got groceries for us. Um, the time off of work, you know, Drew didn't have as much time off work as, as I did. Um, but man, I can say right now that your workplace is so important. You know, you, I encourage you to work with people who support you and, our understanding in situations like these, um, I, I couldn't have done it without, without my employers for sure. Yeah. I think working somewhere where they share your values and, you know, in, in this case it was back to the gifts and the things that people did for us. Um, my, my first instinct was to say, okay, you know, we don't need, we don't need things and we're fine. And yet it was really, it was really, really nice that <clears throat> we didn't have to go out. We didn't have to go see people, um, and we can just stay, stay home, have meals brought to us. And I think the other part 
of accepting gifts and, and acts of kindness from people is that a lot of people are very loving and caring and they just they don't know what to do and that's what they know to do is to to send flowers or send something and by not accepting that we're, we're rejecting the their care that they're sharing and and really the only way they know how to show it because what do you say to somebody who just like just went through a, an experience like that i mean there's nothing there's no words there's absolutely nothing you can do and yet people want to do something and I think for, to be able to accept that is to say thank you so much for for the care. And we um, we really tried to allow each other to grieve in our own ways. You know, we during this time we weren't always you know side by side. You know, Drew and I have different ways of processing and going through things. Um, like some things we would do together. Like sometimes we would just we you know we we were really excited with this pregnancy, especially after we had lost our first. And so a lot of our nursery was kind of put together and like our crib was put together. And I had um, recently gotten some really good deals on like Black Friday stuff. And so, you know, we, I mean, we had stuff in our nursery and, um, and so we would kind of just go sit in there and talk or just, you know, enjoy some of the things that we had bought for her and, um, thought were cute and loved, and, and that was something we kind of did together. Yeah, and and allowing each other to grieve in the way that that makes sense to them, because everybody's different. And you know, for me, having dealt with anxiety and depression in the past, it was it, I'm I'm fearful. I have a fearful reaction to it, and um, you know, with with you, I was afraid that because that's a natural part of grieving yet I was afraid you were going to get stuck in it because of my my past and the things that I had gotten stuck in um, different times with depression or anxiety and there was a, a an urge out of wanting to protect you to to kind of shake you loose mm-hmm. sh- shorter than uh, the time that you were ready to to do that and I know there was a point where we didn't it didn't all the way get to a, a, a bad place yet I could like feel the tension starting to build some whenever I would be afraid because I'm fighting for what I think is you and mm-hmm. and protecting you and then you're fighting for what you think is protecting you and that's yeah I think a good example is like the blanket <laughs> so I um I you know when I went to the hospital and we delivered um I took some things like from home, you know, you pack your hospital bags and, um, and I had this blanket that I took to the hospital. That's just one of my favorite blankets. And after we got home, I probably like slept with that blanket, carried it around, like sat on the couch with it for probably a month or two. Or Um, or more. Oh, maybe. (coughs) And I, but, but the thing was, is I knew it wasn't healthy. Like, it was just something that I needed. Like it, some somehow well, there was some comfort in it for me. To, I, I would say it's not that it wasn't healthy. It's that you knew that it was temporary. Yes. And, yeah. And not a permanent, like you know, permanent thing. And Drew was kind of like you know after after a month or so, he kind of he was kind of like 
softly hinting at like the blanket. I don't remember how you did it, but I I remember telling you like, I know this isn't healthy. It'll be fine. (laughs) Like, I know this is just temporary. (laughs) Well, and I'm I'm very attuned to different behaviors and and things. So again, it goes back to like, my my fear of like attempting to protect you from something that really is is a solo in a lot of ways a solo journey i mean grief processing grief is there's a there's a presence that you can have with someone and there's a presence that that you had with me and yet part of that journey is a very individual um, solo type of journey of your start and and working through that is your own individual timeline and that's where ultimately we, we got to a point where um i don't know if i told you or not but I, i'm like okay this is not my um i have to trust that you're gonna work through it at your own pace mm-hmm. and you know that i was overstepping and stepping outside of my my bubble my area to um into yours then when it was not the, the best thing i could do is is ask you what do you need for me? What can I do to help? And, you know, ultimately it was just to spend time together and to be together. Um, another thing that was really hard. Well, okay. So kind of the grieving in our own ways. Um, we, we plan to go on a retreat actually, and it's called, um, while we're waiting and it's kind of, it's a Christian based organization and they do these retreats for free for bereaved parents, um, at any stage, whether it's, um, you know, stillborn, stillbirth, um, infant loss, child loss, um, throughout all ages of life. And, um, they, you know, go through this process with you talking about, you know, while we're waiting here on earth, before we see our children again in heaven, like how do we process that? And, um, and we actually plan to go on that retreat. Um, but we, um, because all this quarantine stuff happened, it got rescheduled. Um, and so we, we need to, we need to, um, hopefully they'll open it back up so we can go do that at some point this year. Um, but that's, that's a resource for you if this is something that you've gone through, um, while we're waiting and it's a retreat center in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And then something that Drew did was, um, he actually wrote a song and I mean, I cried multiple times over hearing him write this song, but, um, Drew, can you talk a little bit about like your process through deciding to do that? And so I process things um, through music better and through through writing them out and not just writing, also making um, music and songs. And I also like the fact that when I, I create a song, it's capturing, um, be- because of the way life works and because of the way that, that things always keep moving, it's so fast in life that if taking how I'm feeling in a particular moment with with all of its um, depth and not not you know numbing that and just taking all of it and putting it into music to freeze that in time to where I have that that I can I can go to that place because it was it it was extremely like painful and and sad and yet there's a lot of 
like beauty in it and the way that it was our it was our daughter and it was the only time that we got to spend with her here and to be able to freeze that and and go back to that and listen to that um, and and take ourselves to that place or take myself to that place that's why I write music um, really to eternalize things and you know with this one actually uh, side note on that I just uh, yesterday so for Mother's Day um, I am over here patting myself on the back because I I actually got a, a very thoughtful gift and so I took uh, there's a company called uh, Photo to Text, and so I took the a picture of all of the keepsakes, a picture of um, Bren holding Coraline, and I took all that, um, took a picture of it, and sent it in to this company along with the song lyrics, and they made a, a two-foot-by-two-foot picture of all those things and um, it made it out of the lyrics. So if you look really close, if you stand far away, it's the picture. If you look really close, you can see the lyrics of the song um, that I wrote for her. And it's very beautiful, and I'm so thankful. Like That's my first Mother's Day present, and I absolutely love it. He definitely like knocked it out of the ballpark. <laughs> um, kind of just a couple of other things about like our coming home and just feelings after that. Um. Something that was kind of difficult for me was, you know, you come home and you, you know, you don't have your baby, but you, I mean, for a woman, like I still had like all of my postpartum stuff, like I was healing, um, you know, from labor and I still had like my uterus was still swollen and I still had a belly and you know, I've got my postpartum body and, you know, I still had all the acne like this, man, that pregnancy, (laughs) it ruined my face, (laughs) unfortunately, but, but it's all worth it. And, um, and, but, uh, but those were reminders. So every time I looked in the mirror, you know, and even now, like I still have a little bit of a mom bod, like, even though I didn't, you know, go 40 weeks, I went 20, I still, you know, had my my pregnancy belly and now like I look different and and that you know that was kind of hard for me like having those postpartum changes and postpartum hair loss um my hair is finally starting to grow back in in those places and um and not but not having your baby like that's just it's something like as a woman like I it's hard it's hard and um and I just had to like remind myself that it was all for a reason. And like, I'm so thankful that we got to hold her and, um, you know, in those 20 weeks that we did spend with her and we both got to feel her. kick. (laughs) Um, that was so cool. Like I remember the day that drew finally felt her kick and, and we'd been trying to catch it. Um, for those, those few weeks. And, um, and it was just, it was really cool just seeing his face and uh, it was really, really special. Yeah, it was it was awesome. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit too around um, the funeral home. Yeah, <laughs> which is an interesting. We did not um, think that that would be part of our journey, you know. Yeah, well, and and the amount of times I've even thought about thought about a funeral home or uh, anything to do with that is so little, especially at this point, um, with with us like 
being the ones going to like figure things out at the funeral home that was definitely not expected and I guess with the whole experience and with the funeral home the the biggest like thing that I took from that is my brain and and our brains like it just constantly kept going back to like how is like how is this happening or this doesn't make any sense or like there's just a disconnect and I think that finally when I just um, the faster I realized that I got to the point of like this, this is, you know, it, it doesn't matter what should be or what, um, if, if it computes or not, like this is the experience, this is where we are. And, um, you know, even through back to the hospital, paying attention to the fact that like, these are going to be cherished moments and, and you know, in in a different way, like these are going to be cherished moments because it doesn't matter. It happened. We're going to go through it either way. And yes, we're going to remember it. And so to like, to try to tune out anything at the hospital or to attempt to tune out anything at the funeral home would have been a disservice to Corlin and disservice to ourselves and, and our experience of the life that we're going, you know, going through. Mm-hmm. Um, with the, with the funeral home, like, our hospital partnered with the funeral home, and so that was something that was really nice. Where um, they actually um, paid for the uh, cremation, and you know, I mean, obviously that's something that we're thankful for. Um, any any type of help in these situations is amazing. Um, but you know, we had to go to the funeral home and pick out an urn, and um, and this is just you know, something that we, we believe is like when you're in a situation like this, whether it's a child or a parent or anything, get what you want. If there is a memorial or a keepsake, I mean, anything, if you want it, just get it. Like it, it, yeah, it might be a little more expensive or it might not be in your budget at that point in time, but, but those moments, like you don't get those back. And if it's something that you want, like you need to get it. Yeah, we so we actually um, got her ashes in the urn, and then we asked them to um, keep some of the ashes separate so that we do have those for either jewelry or um, or to scatter at some point, you know, in, in the future. And because um, yeah. we just weren't really ready to make that decision yet, but then we had them aside just in case. Right, and I I would recommend like uh, hopefully nobody listening has to go through anything um, like this or or any kind of really traumatic experience, and yet unfortunately you probably will. And to have somebody there to uh, e- either one of the two of you or somebody close to you that can think for you logically to say okay what about this and maybe you should think about that and uh, don't make that decision now because there were things where we were fortunate enough to to have the wherewithal to know not to make the decision uh, or that we couldn't make that decision yet and um, that was one of them yeah I mean even your brother was one of those people Um, he he was like you know, if you want something, you get it, like, I'll pay for it. I don't care. You just, you know, and, and honestly, it was kind of that statement that made us think like, you know, you're right. Like we need to get what we want and not worry about the pennies. And, you know, we were able to do that ourselves without his help, but, 
but that him stepping up and saying that I think was important for us to hear, you know, as him thinking logically and us kind of like, oh man, this is expensive, you know? Well, yeah. And, and back to something that I, I'd um, just now thought of around family and, and the people that are close to you. Uh, there was a tendency or there was an, an urge in the beginning when we were in the hospital to kind of close off and not, um, not have as many people there or, you know, it was already so tough and, and overwhelming and overwhelming and we were at our edge. Uh, and yet, you know, we, we were, um, my brother was one where he had, you know, he had texted me and, um, and I had, you know, finally responded and said, yes, um, come to the hospital. And he was like, oh, you know, I don't really, he was looking out for my, our feelings, I think at the time. And when he did come and show up, it was, it was just probably one of the most like moments that I'll remember, um, just seeing him holding Coraline and that I almost didn't allow that, um, because I didn't, but we didn't respond, but more because I didn't think about, I didn't have the wherewithal. I was so focused on what we were doing. Of, of how important it was to him and he wasn't pushing for it. And so that's why I say have somebody there um, to really think about those things because that's something that uh, if I just said, don't worry about it, you know, thinking about his feelings are not quite understanding the importance of that moment, um, then I would probably regret that. Yeah. Um, and kind of and with the keepsakes, um, a couple of keepsakes that we decided to get. So... I, um, I wear a necklace every day and, um, it has the date and time that I became a mom. And that was when, um, when Corlin was born and, um, something that Drew has. So do you want to talk a little bit about when you got your tattoo originally or? Yeah, if I can remember. I, so I got the tattoo, was it three, two years ago? Yeah, probably two years yeah, ago. Yeah, two years ago. So before we, um, had really, I think right before we started trying or yeah right before we started yeah. trying yeah and um i got a tattoo it, it says kairos and it's greek and um there's two types of time uh, so there's chronos which is chronological which is like days and hours and there's kairos which is life measured in, in these important moments uh, that, that we have and i left a space in um the o and knowing that uh, when our first child was born, I would put the time, uh, like a, a clock hands, of when our first child was born, and so that's something that we yeah. did. We did like ten forty nine. Yep. Um, and it was really cool to like go back and get that tattoo, you know, and um, be with him and um, the like the guy that was in the tattoo shop. He actually did the original tattoo for Drew, and he remembered that. Um, that we were going to come back and put the time of like when our first child was born. And he thought that was so cool. Cause he's like, M most people don't follow through with those types of things. And, um, and Drew and I actually went back, I think it was the day after we came home from the hospital. It was just something that was important to us. And, um, Drew was like, well, let's go do it today. <laughs> and so, you know, and so we did and that was, it's just cool. It's cool. Yeah, and, and again, back to we don't know what people are going through. He, 
he didn't know what had happened and for him to remember and say oh you know what man that's so cool i always love it because all these people say they're going to come back and get a, a tattoo you know finished up and they never do and he said it's just so cool that you would do that and it was just it was kind of an emotional moment for me um and he didn't have a clue how impactful um, i was standing over there crying yeah. like, <laughs> looking at it and, and they're like what's wrong with you didn't you just have your first child like yeah we did you know so um so kind of transitioning um we had some some questions too about like our faith and um you know it, it wavering or not or how we handled the situation in terms of faith um so man it, it's a hard one because it, it changed a lot, um, for me just back and forth. Um, at first I was just, I mean, I hate to say it, but if I'm being completely honest, like I was kind of angry and, um, and I have a, you know, I have a really good friend who, um, you know, her faith is absolutely amazing. And, and she was also going through something tough at the time. Um, but you know, she was also kind of in that anger, position and and she said something to me um she said you know what you know you can be a little bit angry at God because God's a big boy and he can handle it and and that that really made me feel better about like how I was feeling because I was kind of sad that I felt angry because I don't want to be angry at God but um but it was just kind of how I was feeling and that helped me process it a little bit um also like going to church, man, that was hard. Um, we had, um, we were kind of in the transition phase of like finding our church home and just exploring different, different places and seeing where we fit in. Um, and at that point, like I'll talk about this a little bit later, but seeing people was really hard for me. And like the idea of going to new churches, like when we were grieving something and, you know, places of worship were kind of emotional for me, that was just a little bit hard. And so we watched church on TV for a while. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, and, and we'll get to it in a minute. Just the dealing with the conversations that come up, um, we just weren't in a place to do it. And you know, I want to go back to what you said about God and, and being angry with him and the judgment, self-judgment back and forth on that and how much energy and, and effort it takes um, to go through that self-judgment of um, if you're angry, you're angry. Your emotions are not going to listen to the logic of I shouldn't be angry or uh, or worse, I'm angry and now I'm going to feel guilty about feeling angry God gave us anger God gave us all of our emotions and you know anger does have a place um, from from what I understand in protection anger is usually something above a hurt or a a more vulnerable feeling and anger gives us control If, if we're mad about something we've got a little bit more control in it and so it's very natural to go to that place and there's nothing wrong with it even when it's with God and knowing that when the time is right, you'll, you'll move through that anger. And, and it's a part of you know, one of the phases of grief, uh, in the cycle, but you'll get to a point where you can, 
um, go move from anger to the next phase. Um, something else, you know, people, when bad things happen, I think that it's easy to question if it's punishment, um, or like a type of punishment from God. Um, and something that I read in, um, in one of the books that have kind of, has kind of helped me through this, um, was one of the stories about, um, you know, Jesus healing a blind man and, um, you know, the blind man, he was blind from birth and it wasn't a punishment for something that he did during his life. Um, and when God, you know, God healed him and helped him to see again. And like when God, God uses these hurts and devastations that we endure or go through to, show, you know, his power through us. So, you know, that him, that man being blind, he had never done anything wrong. It was from, you know, from when he was born. And then later in his life, God used his, um, his blindness to heal and show the world like what he could do. Um, and, and I think that that story just really helps me a lot. Like this isn't punishment. Like there are people that um, that we've helped through, like talking about how we've gotten through this stuff, and um, there are like people who have come to us and and needed support, and that's like it, now we're able to empathize. And even though it really like really stinks, like that we had to go through that, you know, we can we can now like really help others and empathize with other people well and we we only live our experience so we have two choices we can hide these things and and be and push them down uh, which from my perspective makesing makes them a, a lot more on that meaningless side or we can take what we've been through and you know pain and suffering can create tremendous meaning if we can take that and help other people and really just, you know, help other people through tough times or give them clarity as part of this conversation right now. I mean, and, mm-hmm. and the fact that, that we can have this conversation and that our daughter can have an impact on so many people in, in such a, a such a short amount of time that she was here on earth. And yet, you know, from, from this, she can have impact and, help other people absolutely um something else that drew and i kind of talked about through all of this was you know how people always say that god doesn't give you more than you can handle and that's like i'm sorry but that's crap (laughs) god does give you more than you can handle and um and he does that and like to show that you need to lean on him. So like you may not be able to handle all of it, but he can. And that's kind of one of those moments when you need to lean on him and give it to him because you can't handle it, but he has the power to do that. Um, and, and you can do that through prayer. You can do that through getting in the Bible. You can do that through worship music. I mean, that's, that's definitely one of the ways that I connect the most is through music. Well, and, and faith 
and surrender to to be able to surrender when things get too heavy i think the key is god doesn't give you know, when we hear that god doesn't give you things more than you can handle mm-hmm. there's so much you in there there's so much like me as an individual god doesn't give us things that we can't handle through him and having you know his, his power um with us and Part of that is to surrender when things are too much and to have faith uh, that, you know, no matter what it is that we're going through, um, there's there, there can be meaning in it and, you know, we, we will get through. Yeah, and, and trust. I mean, by trusting God and trusting that he has everything and, you know, he's in control of it all, you, like, by giving him that trust you then can have that sense of his peace and and because you I mean because you're you're not in control I mean God God has it and you trust him to have it and at that point you can then have that sense of peace well and we we are Christian and you know there's there's people out there in the world that aren't there's a lot of religions and yeah I think the the basic part of it is if you are going through life leaning on yourself just on you there's that's so heavy there's if there's nothing um, that you believe in that's greater than you then it's just you going through these things and that can be absolutely crushing and so I think having a faith in, in a higher power and something to pull you through and for us absolutely that's Christianity but I think just in general um, very lonely and in heavy experience if it's if it's just you at the mm-hmm. highest level and just some resources that I wanted to share um one of the books that I really loved um reading and just found some clarity through is called it's not supposed to be this way and it's by Lisa Turkhurst um she's written a couple of great books but it's faith-based and um just very good for anybody that's going through something you know not even related to loss just maybe you were diagnosed with something um or just something's not going right maybe there was um, infidelity in your marriage or or something like that it's a great book to dive into um also if you like devotionals um one related to child loss whether it's um during pregnancy or infant or child um it's called grieving the child i never knew um and just more for you know younger infants or um, pregnancy loss but it it just helps you get through some of those feelings and has some uh, resources related to specific days like today uh, her due date and tomorrow is mother's day um just kind of gives you some clarity in those places well and and it's grieving the potential uh, with, with any, especially young children or our situation. It's grieving the potential of the life, and you see them, and you see that they're, you know, that that they have um, your feet uh, or my she or my butt. Really cute little yeah. feet. <laughs> yeah, um, and you know, it, it's it's the potential. Um, that you have to grieve as well all these things and and hopes and dreams and you'd put into this person already and you know now you do have to grieve those things so I think that's it's important to find resources and it's important to find 
like for me to it wasn't any particular book yet doing some research around um, what a, a mother goes through in that situation because the the natural process is there's there's birth and then there's a, a mother and a baby and that hormones yeah and, and hormones <laughs> and that connection and when there's the, there's no baby at that point um there's a lot of things that there's no possible way for me to ever understand other than just getting a glimpse through reading and learning and that helped me get some perspective as well around uh, what you were going through I will say you were very supportive about like all the insecurities I had with like postpartum body and hair loss and acne and all those things and um like just if you're a spouse of a woman going through this just love on her and make sure you tell her she's beautiful every day and um the things that you love about her new mom bod and all that um that was that was helpful for me and just special just knowing my husband still loved me and I want to shift to um, other people and and this is uh really was if I can just say it an emotionally charged um (laughs) conversation that we had quite a bit um around uh, other people and the way that um they don't nobody knows it okay it doesn't matter so if if we are going through this now and then we have a close friend that goes through the exact same situation we don't know what they're going through we may think we do we may uh because we base most things in life on our own experiences so we're going to assume that we know what it's like for them we don't everyone has their own journey based on the way that they look at the situation and their own experiences and that's something that um, can cause a lot of frustration when people don't know what you're going through and they they attempt to to give advice or um, you know all these different things where they're really showing how they care and it just comes out in a way that that sometimes doesn't land perfectly and based on where we're out of the state that we're in and I think it's just really important um, for for me it was to see where their heart was and what their intentions were no matter what the words were that were coming out um, that they're there and for showing support and care and love yeah and like in those moments I mean even when people are standing right in front of you saying things just immediate forgiveness um I mean, sometimes it was really hard to, like, keep my face straight. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it, this was hard for me. Um, and this was, I had a lot harder time but with this before, like, I started getting back into uh, my faith and, like, trusting God and everything. Um, but, I mean, just immediate forgiveness and just seeing people's intentions, um, you know, they're, they don't mean to be, they don't mean to be any which way. It, but man it can be hard you can hear the energy change in your voice (laughs) you get the frustration (laughs) i mean i'm better now like i can handle it now um and i do see people's intentions but but i do want in a minute i do want to talk a a little bit about like you know what to say and and kind of what not to say and um for people that haven't been through difficult situations well and (laughs) there's okay if we look at society in general the the rules that we kind of all like play by are, are all these things around like, oh, 
kids will weigh you down when you're young and like you should wait to have kids and or when are you going to have kids and or do you have kids <laughs> right and, and all these questions where um you don't it's hard to realize how much that comes up in conversation as an offhanded thing um and until you get more aware of it yeah like we've been meeting our new neighbors and every conversation is oh do y'all have kids yeah and and people just naturally do that it's also a conversation starter yeah and they're just feeling out a conversation or or you know throwing things around or like oh that's so great you know you guys are um traveling so much it's awesome that you're waiting to have kids or what whatever it is and they don't they don't have a clue that they've just absolutely Rocked your world. Um, yeah, really, really said something that was hurtful. And um, that's, uh, it's just a tough thing when you go through something like this, that um, every conversation is is full of like like that feeling where, where if you go out and have a conversation with someone, you're just bracing, mm-hmm. like waiting. And, and for me, when I hear people say that stuff, I'm like, oh, yeah, dang it. You know, and, and I just like, I'm, I'm just not looking at you, but I know like, how hard some of those things are are hitting you just when it's a simple thing of like somebody that has kids and their kids were acting up that day. And it's totally natural to say, Oh yeah, all these kids are being a pain or, um, Oh, you guys are so lucky. You don't have them off to grandma's for a week. Right. Or or when this quarantine's over, they're going to grandma's for two months. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and you're, and and you're lucky to not have kids yet. Uh, enjoy it while you can, that kind of thing. And, and it's only, you knew, (laughs) and there's nothing wrong with that from their perspective. I think it's just the awareness of, um, you don't know what people are going through. Yeah. Um, and with social media too, like, you know, we, we shared about both of our losses, um, in that, you know, in that realm. And, but we didn't share about, you know, what happened or the specifics and, um, and something that, so both of, both of our children had completely random, um, diagnoses and our doctor's told us there was literally nothing we could have done and it was one of those one in a hundred thousand things you know both times and after our first pregnancy um that we lost back in may of 2019 they're like you know we don't expect this to happen again this is a completely random thing um you know start trying again after your body heals from surgery and so we did and we got pregnant again and everything looked great And then, you know, later into the pregnancy, we found out again, hey, there's a completely a a different, a different, completely random diagnosis that you, you know, you could have had nothing to do with. And it just happened. And so to hear that again was really hard. Um, And, you know, we didn't share that in social media. And so when people, you know, during this during this time, like the, after the loss, we had, you know, different people that would come up to us and, um, you know, they'd start conversation and, you know, they, they would be, they would be really sweet and their intentions were, were positive. Um, but people would be like, you know, have you gotten your hormones checked? Um, have you done this? You know, we, um, you know, we would love to donate eggs. Um, you know, that was some of the things that we heard. And, and that was really hard for me because, you know, deep down inside, I'm screaming like my eggs aren't the problem (laughs) or, you know, just people just don't know. It's the implication that that's not 
they don't they don't re- like people don't realize that but the implications are uh there's something wrong with you there's something wrong with you know and and the other side of that um they're 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 great ideas yeah, if great they, ideas. if that was actually <laughs> the challenge yeah. um and when it's not uh, that's the danger of just throwing out something when we want to fill a space because we we've want to help but we're not sure how and it's and it's uncomfortable and so here's an here's something I'm I'm attempting to be helpful by saying this certain thing that that you might do and the better the best approach is just to say hey you know what I can't imagine I'm so sorry what can I do to help you what can I do to support you yeah and and there were a lot of people that said that too and um and I will say that, like, if you do need something, take them up on that offer. Um, if there's something someone can do for you to make your life just a little bit easier in that moment, you know, tell them and accept that grace and that support. Yeah. And back to seeing people. Uh, yeah. it, it, so whether or not what we realize through this is it doesn't matter how long you wait, the, f- the first time you go back to anywhere is uncomfortable. The first time you see pretty Anyone much every you know. person, well, and, and not just any, every person you know, because the first time you individually see each one of them, you know, we went back to the um, CrossFit gym where we work out and that was such a tough, um, tough thing to walk back into and not book it for any specific person or reason. It's just going back think your your world has fundamentally changed and now we're going to go back to this place that was something different before mm-hmm. and you know th- there's people there that care about us and we care about them and that first conversation nobody knows what to say yeah yeah nobody knew how to look at us nobody knew like if they should talk to us or if they shouldn't you know what they should or shouldn't say and we're hyper aware, so we see people like look at us and then hesitate and then yeah. maybe walk for us. And, and you just want to like put make a shirt that says, yes, it's super awkward. Like, <laughs> let's just skip this step and yeah. and like go back to having a, a normal relationship. But it's just my biggest advice is when you go through something really traumatic, there's never going to be a right time to, to go back into public and to go back to to really go back into some of those situations and you might as well just do it sooner rather than later because it's going to be a, a a an uncomfortable pain potentially painful thing no matter what yeah um i remember i went to hobby lobby <laughs> one time i was gonna i was buying a, a picture frame for actually for one of um Corlin's pictures because we'd planned on going on that retreat um and and so we had to take a picture that was framed and I was in the checkout line and someone walked in that I knew and she looked at me and her face just, you know, just, and it's okay, but her face just went sad. And, and me being such like a, you know, I just, I take on other people's emotions like that. It, I just instantly started crying and because it, you know, it it reminded me of my sadness and this random lady that was in front of me in the checkout line just started hugging me. And she just said, I'm so sorry. Like, I don't know what you're going through, but I'm so sorry. And I'll be praying for you. And, you know, and it's just, it's things like that, just seeing people and, 
And even my first day back at work, um, you know, my, again, like my employers are so amazing. And my first day back, they said, you know, we don't care about you being productive today. Just, we're just happy that you're here. Um, and, and I remember like I walked in and the first person that I saw that was part of my physical therapy team, I looked at her and I, I just started bawling. And it was just that moment where I saw somebody that I really loved and I don't know, just being reminded of that love. Um, it, it just made me break down, you know? Well, and you're the person too, that when you start to get emotional, you're like, don't, don't look at me. Don't hug me. <laughs> just, <laughs> just walk over there. Like, and, and for me, I'm like, I'm so like, you know, huggy and, and I want to, you know, hug and, and be close. And so I'm like, I had to learn early in our relationship. Like the way I support is like, you know, like you're standing far away and you put one finger on the shoulder. <laughs> yep. You're like, I'm here for you. And other like, people probably think that he's like the meanest husband ever, but he that's he just knows. He knows what, you know, what helps me because if he looks at me, I break down because I love him so much. Them, yeah, we went to a, um, we a did go to a retreat. marriage retreat and, and somebody said, I can't remember. It was what, in February. I can't right? remember what, yeah, yeah, I think so. I can't remember what it was, but, uh, we were having, going to the marriage retreat and, um, she they was crying. They asked if we had kids. Yeah, I think, and, and you started crying and I feel like I got some judgment from the fact that I didn't do anything. I didn't, I didn't react or move toward you at all because I know that for me to do that is going to make it like 10 times worse for you. And, and because of our relationship, you know, I'm here and yet. I felt like there was some judgment from other people being like, well, are you not going to go console her? And like, he passed me a Kleenex. I did. That was really good. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. Which is, it's just a, as much as I could do in the moment yeah. uh, that you'd allow. He does a great job. But it's, it's knowing, knowing each other. Yeah. And, you know, in the absence of, if it's not somebody that close to you and you don't know them, I think it's like, it's good to not, you know, again, not make an assumption, just say, how can I help? How can I support you? I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last thing that I want to really touch on about like there's the, you know, other people, um, you know, if you go through this and I think, I think one of the hardest things can be, um, you know, f- especially with social media, seeing other people who are pregnant, who were due about the same time as you, um, and seeing their pregnancies progress and their pictures and, um, and those things like know that it's okay to, you know, just not be on social media and, you know, know how to protect yourself. Um, you know, there was a, there was a point early where like, it was really hard for me to like pictures and, but then I, you know, I, I obviously like I healed or, you know, started healing better. And I got to the point where, I was really able to be just genuinely happy for them um, in well, that experience. And the way the way social media works too is it it brings we've got you know average of five hundred or thousand friends. It's only showing you a select few people. And when you're pregnant and you like all the pregnancy things, then it shows you all of those things at a higher percentage of what you see on your feed. So we we when we go through from one week to the next where you know, it's, it's, we don't have 
a child were not pregnant anymore mm-hmm. and Facebook doesn't know that. So that just keeps throwing all this stuff at you. That's baby, baby. Yeah. Um, and the stuff that we had, um, you know, you start registries and stuff and like those registries sometimes send you like free stuff in the mail, like a couple, you know, a couple weeks ago I got this thing in the mail from both of the registry places it was like here's a 10% coupon to finish out your registry your baby's almost here and then another day we got a box of free like baby formula and I mean and it was so nice like it's so nice but um but that's I mean it's just another reminder and it's it's hard you know I took some of it across the street to (laughs) to um some people who have a Uh, a baby from foster care but it's it's those things that that make it hard well and the tendency uh, i think it's really important to to get to that place of understanding that the tendency could easily be like oh they're so insensitive i can't believe they sent me this stuff or you know whatever that is and and to get to the place of um not getting stuck there Mm -hmm. like it's it's just for to me it's better just to be like ow that hurts yeah that was really painful i'm like yeah I'm like, Drew, look what we got in the mail. This (laughs) sucks. That was not fun. Um, And and I think that's the fastest way through it when those those experiences do happen. And then kind of like talking also about, you know, seeing other people who are pregnant and um, and like your perspective on life and your outlook on life, how it changes. Um, I will say like it was it was really hard to see you know, people complaining, um, complaining about symptoms in their pregnancies and, um, you know, just how much I would kill for those symptoms and, um, and go back to that time. Um, it, I mean, it just, it changes your perspective, like that innocence, um, surrounding like being pregnant and being super excited the entire time is, you know, is kind of faded for, for us in that sense. Like even going from our first pregnancy to our second, like there was, there was a lot of fear and just, um, nervousness, um, until we kind of hit those markers of like, okay, well we, we passed where we were the first time. And, you know, and now like, now like looking forward, it's, it's hard because, you know, no, 20 weeks was our second time and that's halfway through. Um, but, but just, just know that like, it's, it's okay to like be frustrated with what people, um, may, may put out there, especially on social media, but remember like their intentions, like they haven't been through what you've been through and, and it's okay for them to, to be frustrated about their morning sickness. I'm sure next time I have morning sickness, I'm going to be so excited I'm throwing up every time (laughs) um but just it just it changes your perspective well and it's okay to be frustrated with with again that's that struggle of like oh I shouldn't be frustrated or I shouldn't um not want to like the pictures I shouldn't be frustrated with them at all yeah Yeah, yeah. and and you know I shouldn't even the the natural human questions of like well why why them and why not me and you know, and, and those questions, they, they don't lead anywhere good, and yet they're very natural, and to keep from judging yourself when you have it, like that, those kind of things are going to happen. I think that you you dealt with more um, struggle, I think, because mm-hmm. of, of the 
back end of it. Like you have a thought or you, you start to have a judgment and then you judge yourself and then you feel guilty. Yeah, then I feel guilty that I, you know, judged what they thought and that they really just don't understand. And that's okay that, like, I'm happy for them that they didn't have to go through that. I would never wish this upon anyone. And for the overall, like, outlook uh, or perspective that it does give us, um, there's a lesson there for anything in life is that, you know, when you're going through something frustrating, think about like who, who would be absolutely thrilled to go through this and who would be appreciative and, and, and things that maybe don't make a lot of sense, like being so sick that you can't hardly, you know, with morning sicknesses, you can't function yet, yet. Is there a time and a place or are there people that would be so grateful for that experience? And can we tap into that, even if it is the first time that yeah. we've gone through it, to, to have a little more gratitude? Um, that's, you know, that's, that's really big. Yeah. Um, and just a kind of a story I want to share, um, just, you know, related to that perspective on subsequent pregnancies or um, just life in general. Um, I, so I have a friend, um, at work who was pregnant during this time. And it, this was during like, you know, we had found out a couple weeks before we lost Corlin that, um, that she had this diagnosis that wasn't, you know, wasn't looking good. Um, and I remember like this friend, um, at work, she was pregnant with a wonderful surprise baby, um, And I told her one day, you know, you know, she was kind of, she was looking at her belly and she was saying how she hadn't really connected with her pregnancy. And, and I remember just looking at her and just telling her her belly was so beautiful. And she later came back and told me, um, I mean, a couple months later that me saying that to her and just my perspective, um, because of like what we were going through, really helped her connect with this baby and love her body. And she said she went home that day and she looked in the mirror and looked at her husband and she said, my belly is beautiful, you know, and just owned it. And, and like stories like that, they just make me so happy because, you know, even though I went through something that was, you know, that was not fun, my perspective on that pregnancy, like changing was able to help her, connect more with her pregnancy and that's worth everything in the world to me yeah and help her have a different experience Mm -hmm. so we kind of like the last thing we really want to talk about is you know people kind of ask us you know how do you respond when people ask if you have kids and you know we we have had two babies that are in heaven um but you know more recently we usually say like our, um, our daughter was stillborn in December, um, and she's our only baby that we have, um, that we held in heaven, and we have another one that, um, we didn't get to hold that was, um, born in May last year, so, um, it really just depends on who we're talking to, uh, but, I mean, we try to be as like neutral as we can because we don't want to make other people uncomfortable like when we answer this question um but just know like if you are answering this question like you have to um be ready for whatever their reaction is 
yeah, that was one I wasn't prepared for um, because it, it's it's so it's really tricky. I mean, you know, and, and for me, I, I I do think a lot about other people's feelings. And when somebody asks you a positive question like, hey, do you have kids? And the response back is is either I say no, which is like complicated in the fact that now I'm like negating Corlin's existence and then you know by by to save their feelings and then or yes and then you you can't say yes without explaining it and then knowing that they're gonna be like oh my gosh what did I just walk into in terms of I'm, I'm so sorry I didn't mean to ask that question I didn't know and so it was that was something I struggled with quite a bit and is how to answer that question because there's it's there's no way to spare their feelings and um really acknowledge her to the level that Coraline the level that she deserves Mm -hmm. and if you're you know if you're you know responding back to that question so say you know Drew told you his answer and you didn't really know how to respond like um like really all I can say is like my best advice is just to say oh man, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that happened to you. Um, and then start talking about something else because sometimes like as that person, like as much as it may be true, it's really hard to hear like, oh, well, God has a plan. Oh, well, you'll have kids Mm -hmm. later or, um, because that may not be true. Like you might, they might not be able to have kids later. Um, and so just like, just answering in that moment and being present just with, I'm sorry. Um, that's really the best thing that you can do. Yeah. Holding, holding that space for them is so much more important than, uh, because if, if I ask a question like that and then it comes back and it's uncomfortable, then I'm going to close it off with like, Oh God has a plan or, Oh, it's going to be good. And those things are, doesn't mean they're, they're not correct. Mm -hmm. And yet just to hold the space is more important and hold the connection with the person is, is more important than something like that because you instantly break that off. Like, especially if it lands wrong, yeah, it's just to say, gosh, I, I can't imagine. That's so tough. So um, if you all have any more questions or you're going through something similar and you need some help or somebody to talk to, um, we are always here and um, and open to any questions or conversations that you may have. So thank you so much for listening this week and um, us getting to honor our little girl, Coraline Faith Taylor, on her um, on her due date, May 9th, 2020. Y'all have a great Mother's Day weekend.